guys, and welcome back to the Celtics fifth quarter. I'm joined again by my buddy Billy. Huge win for the Celtics tonight, 128 to 101, led by Jason Tatum in 33 points and new career high in the playoffs, breaking his record that he set two days ago. Billy, what was your main takeaway of the game today? All right. So my main takeaway was obviously, you know, I had expected going into the game. I was like, okay, we're going to have to get experimental here. Um, quite honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we dropped this one just because we're going to have to try a bunch of different things. And, you know, as you were going to mention here, like this was a slow start. Um, we had a very slow start coming out of the gate and, you know, just on some of those notes, Tatum two fouls, like immediately, right. As the game starts, Tatum gets himself into foul trouble, has to check out. And the whole f- pretty much first quarter leading into almost halftime. The Sixers were hitting some really tough shots. I knew that wasn't going to last, but in the whole first half, Embiid was dominating and they talked about it at halftime. You know, we'll get into it a little bit here about Embiid's empty stats, but he was enforcing himself. He was getting into the paint. He was uh, making his presence felt. And uh, that was the one thing that kind of really puttered out into the second half there. Yeah. I mean, MB, it seems like every game to start the game, he just comes out dominating and then he kind of just like falters off after that. And the the team kind of goes with him. Uh, I knew the 76ers weren't going to keep up the pace that they were doing in the first quarter and even a little bit after that. But the Celtics had me a little bit nervous. I mean, they started the game one of nine from three, but then proceeded to go 18 of 34 from three after that. So they really picked it up. But the, the slow start was a little bit nerve, nerve wracking. You can't be doing that against a, a like a Raptors or a Bucks, but honestly the biggest part of their run was the bench they got Ennis Cantor uh Grant Williams Brad Wanamaker Romeo Langford all playing huge minutes tonight they, they ran a lineup with those four and Jason Tatum sparked a 27 to 6 run I mean last game they had eight bench points they had 41 tonight that's a huge improvement can you talk about though I mean it wasn't only just the production that you got on the stat sheet from that group it was like I was watching this team and I was getting like serious, like 2018 vibes from not just like, okay, we're winning. Like, this is great. It was like, I was watching the young guys and everybody confident in what they're doing, closing out, running the floor, having fun. Anytime Tatum wasn't in the game and people were making plays, they were fired up. Like just watching this team. And we, we, we saw it yesterday, but it was taken to a completely new level today. Everybody was clicking and everybody was just diving on the floor, loose ball, um, just, I, I loved watching this team play today. Just yeah, the, the energy level was great. And I give a lot of credit to Grant Williams because I think he sparks a lot of energy when he comes into the game because he's a young, hungry player. So he comes in and plays hard. Same thing with Romeo Langford, Brad Wanamaker. These guys are fighting for minutes. So when they come in and play hard, it boosts the energy level for the whole team. Now the bench gets into it. And now the stars come back into the game. Now they're fueled with energy. I mean, you see Jalen Brown running coast to coast, full speed in transition. It was, it was just awesome. It was a great game to watch. And you mentioned this yesterday uh, before we move into the superstar that is Jason Tatum. What was great to see is the Celtics dictated the pace regardless of what group was in. Um, whether it was the young guys running the show or whether Kemba was taking it up the floor, the entire game we were in charge of the pace. And I texted you after the first quarter. I was saying, we look lackadaisical. We don't look like we know what we're doing. We're so much better when we're running and in transition. And then finally, when we settled down, Shots started falling. We dictated the game, and Philly just did not have an answer at all. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this in our in our previous podcast that the Celtics are at their best when they're attacking the rim and creating shots through that, and they did that after the first quarter tonight, and you can see it, it works perfectly for them. They weren't settling for the mid-range pull-ups. 
They were uh, they were forcing Joel Embiid to move on offense. Can, I mean, Cantor played fantastic today. I think he was exceptional against Joel Embiid on both sides of the ball. Um, but overall, they were just playing with such great energy. I, I, I loved it. Their, their defensive energy was creating offense at times, too. It, it was awesome. Absolutely. And then I'm looking here at the, at the shot chart, and, and we'll tweet this out for Joel Embiid. Uh, and if and you can break it down here, it's on ESPN. I've actually never noticed this. You go to the first quarter, he's dominating. He's taking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight shots in the first quarter. Second quarter, he's taken five shots. And then you look at the third and fourth quarter. Third quarter, he takes four shots. Fourth quarter, and 76ers, to be quite honest with you, just quit in the second half. That's just the way that it is. To see Joel Embiid and the way that he just completely tapped out in the second half. And even Charles and Shaq were saying, hey, he's dominating in this first half. I need to see it in the second half. Um, like I said, I knew the tough shots weren't going to fall that were falling for the Celtics early. But the the question was going to be, we're going to be in a dogfight if Joel Embiid comes out and comes out in the second half and just looked disengaged, disinterested. And um, it's just, it's unbelievable to watch. I mean, he's such a talent. It's, it's, it's such a shame. Like he has so much skill but he doesn't have that winning mentality that he just won't take over a game by himself. He, he needs that second person that can carry some of the load because he, he, when he has to do it all of himself, he gets very frustrated with himself. He gets frustrated with his teammates, and you can see him on the bench. He just doesn't look happy, and he, do, he doesn't even want to be in the game, it seems like. Well, even then, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you this one, what about Tobias Harris? This guy is, you know, signs a mega contract last year, You'd expect him to be, you know, picking up the slack or maybe being a little more colorful or engaged too. He's another one who's just like not engaged at all. Tobias Harris is the most overpaid, overpaid player in the NBA. Five years, 158, 158, 150 million. Sorry, couldn't say that. To, to do what? Score 13 points in a playoff game? And a very quiet 13 points and missing multiple open shots. I don't like Tobias Harris at all. I think he sucks. And so, there's no energy. Who is your who is your jackrabbit on this team? Like, who is your energy? Like, come in, set the tone. They don't have that Marcus Smart guy, and it's yeah. not even like Ben Simmons is that guy. They don't have a guy who's going to come in there and yuck it up. Uh, you know, if you want to go back into years of Celtic past, you know, the Eddie Houses oh, or. Uh, somebody who just comes in there and just is setting the tone. You're looking around in the 76ers. Jonas Jerebko. Jonas Jerebko. Um, there's nobody that's coming in there and really kind of, you know, picking everybody up. Yeah, I mean, they got some guys on the bench that they – I'm surprised they aren't playing. I mean, Mike Scott, there was a game in the beginning of the year. I think it was the first time we played the Sixers. He's, he had five three-pointers in the second half alone, and the Sixers beat us. I remember thinking to myself, we really just lost to Mike Scott. Mike Scott hasn't, hasn't played. I mean, he played at the end of the game today. But Mike Scott hasn't played any real minutes yet. And I'm, I'm very curious as to why that is. I, liked the, uh, I like the minutes that they're getting out of Shake Milton. I like the minutes that they're getting out of Thibault. But again, yeah, I don't see a reason that you're not playing Scott. I don't see a reason that you're not playing Kyle O'Quinn. Uh, and my biggest gripe um, with Brett Brown right now is you don't need to play both of your centers at the same time. I don't think that you should have Embiid and you should have Harford on the court at the same time. Split their minutes, have them overlap, you know, eight, nine minutes, but that is your biggest advantage. Having them both on and having them both off, rotate them. There's no reason for you to go double big. Yeah, that's the problem with Brett Brown. He doesn't know how to manage rotations. Like, when you got Embiid on the court, you don't need other scorers on the court necessarily. You need guys who 
can handle the ball and can play defense and you're just going to feed Joel and beat in the post because that's obviously what their game plan is. Whereas Al Horford is more of a playmaker himself. So now when Al Horford comes into the game, that's when you put someone like Mike Scott into the game, Josh Richardson. Now you get the shooters around him and you can create offense. But he, he doesn't do that. And I don't know. I think Brett Brown is the worst coach in the NBA. We'll get back to some of the Brett Brown notes, but let's table the Sixers for now. Talk to me about Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is a superstar. That I know he was on the fence between star and superstar. He's a superstar. He's, he's uncoverable. There's nobody on the Sixers that can cover him. There's very few people, if any, in the NBA that can cover him. He was getting all of his shots, and I mean, 8 of 12 from 3. That's ridiculous. And they were not wide open threes. They were not wide open threes. And what I love to see aside from that, um, and you're going to get into the bench here, um, but I want to say Brad Wanamaker was fantastic tonight. Uh, again, we talked about it the other night. We were like, hey, look, like if he can just hold his own, uh, he gave us some pretty good minutes in game one. Like, Just hold your own. Don't be an eyesore. Brad Wanamaker must have listened last night. He goes three for three from the field, hits a three-pointer, uh, you know, logs two rebounds, four assists. He had some great, uh, great dishes out and three blocks. He logged a plus 28 tonight um, with just an incredible effort. And you saw Jason Tatum, one of my favorite shots of the whole game, coming off the bench, getting fired up. I mean, that whole team loves one another. Um, but then, you know, you also had Cantor. Talk to me about Cantor. Cantor played exceptional. I, I think this is the best game I've seen Ennis Cantor play. I know he's probably had games where he scored more, got more rebounds. But the energy that Ennis Cantor brought today and the defense he played against Joel Embiid mm-hmm. really shocked me. And I think he earned himself like real minutes going forward in the series and probably after that too. That I, He very much outplayed Daniel Tice, who I don't think played well at all tonight, but we'll get into that later. But Cantor, was, he's my honorable player of the game. I know we're going to talk about our player of the game later, but he's my honorable mention. At the end of the day... If, if Cantor or Tice, one of the two is hitting, we'll be okay. That's all we need is we need one of those two guys to kind of keep us afloat. Uh, and tonight, Cantor was fantastic. Four of seven. Wasn't great from the free throw line, but he's never great from the free throw line. But logged nine rebounds, a plus 24 and 10 points. One of my favorite plays of the game, I would have just about fell out of my chair, is he hit Joel Embiid with a little shimmy shake and almost hit him going underneath the rim. I would have just about lost it if, uh, if that had sunk. But a great game from Cantor. Grant Williams. Too. He hit the three-pointer straight off the bench. A fantastic, awesome. a fantastic night. Uh, a fantastic night for Cantor. Who else was awesome off the bench? Grant Williams. Mm-hmm. Grant Williams, Grant Williams was great. great. I love Grant Williams. The energy he brings. I, I call him Marcus Smart's prodigy. That he's just like he's a young Marcus Smart right now. That he, the energy he brings. He was two of two from three tonight. Two That's of two from three. Tonight. Couldn't shoot all season. Two of two tonight. Two of two from three tonight. Uh, six rebounds, again, two assists, a plus 13. I mean, you're looking at the bench here. Romeo Langford, plus 26. Wanamaker, plus 28. Cantor, plus 24. Grant Williams, plus 13. Um, and look, I'm never going to be the guy to say it, but you had some nice words for Semi Ojale. So go ahead and give me your Semi Ojale take here. Billy still hates Semi Ojale. I don't hate him. I just, tonight it, it was okay. It was okay. Semi Semi Ojale played decent. I mean, he I wouldn't say he had a crazy good game, but he he came in, played some good defense. He he knocked down a three-pointer as well. Everybody was hitting their three-pointers tonight. I was wait I was waiting for Taco to hit a three. But um yeah, I I I like Semi Ojale. My problem with him was his shot selection in the seeding games that he was throwing up too many threes. I don't think mm-hmm. that's necessarily what we need him to do, but um I like him as a defender. 
and the occasional three-point shooter. I, I have no problem with him, uh, with him logging any minutes in the series. So let's talk uh, – let's go back a little bit to kind of the 76ers. What are you doing? Like just kind of the things that we would see. Uh, I mentioned not playing Kyle O'Quinn, not playing Mike Scott, Tobias Harris, just a complete wet towel. What, uh, what other things about the 76ers were you kind of scratching your head about here? They just don't seem to have like an offensive scheme or even a defensive scheme. Like they just don't have a scheme at all. It seems like they're just throwing five bodies on the court and said, all right, go play. Like – it's really confusing to me. I mean, Raul Neto was like one of the first guys to come off the bench for the Sixers. And I, I, I was like, why Why is this guy in the game? Like, he, he didn't play at all in the first game. So why did why did he play 15 minutes tonight? Like, obviously, I don't know. I, Brett Brown confuses me. No rhyme to the reason, not really understanding what they're doing at all. And also, the Celtics out-rebounded the Sixers tonight, which is unbelievable to think about. Uh, only six turnovers for the Celtics tonight. We shot 53.8% in the last three quarters and almost 50% from three, 46.7. So again, a great shooting night, but you know, your typical night where you go and you shoot close to 60%, you usually just chalk it up to, okay, they were just hitting their shots, but it was so much more than that. It was a great play. It was a great, uh, game plan from Brad. It was fantastic effort. Um, and just great minutes out of the bench. So I think it was a complete team win. I mean, yeah, how many teams can say that they actually play 10 guys in a rotation in a playoff game? Like, I know that the, our entire bench got in by the end of the game, but 10 of those guys played serious minutes. Missing a serious starter. Yeah. I mean, that that's the uniqueness about Brad. He loves to use his bench. He loves to throw random lineups out there. I love it. I mean, I, when he first threw the lineup out there with Cantor, Grant Williams, uh, Brad Wanamaker, Romeo Langford, and Jason Tatum, I was like, what is this? Like, it's just four deep bench players in Jason Tatum and they sparked the run that, that give credit to Brad for that. So moving forward here, as we eye game three, um, again, this puts us in a position to get everybody a little bit of rest. Um, you know, I really would like to get this series over as quickly as we possibly can. And again, like, you know, just, you saw no want to out of Harris, out of Embiid and out of the team. They just looked defeated in that second half. So what are you looking for here going forward? I mean, I, would, I think Grant Williams earned the right to big minutes as, as well as Cantor. Um, Semi and Romeo, the, those, those two will probably alternate based on, on situation. But overall, I'm, I'm just excited that this bench, if the bench is going to play like this, the Celtics are a legit team. That You knew that their, their, core start, their core starters could play, but if their bench is playing this well, they're, they're contenders. Another thing is Marcus Smart is going to eventually start hitting his shots. He's one of 12 from three in this series, which is atrocious. I know you, I know you have a problem with him shooting seven for three-pointers tonight, but he's going to eventually start hitting his shots. Um, I, he hit one at the end of the game, and you can see him smiling a little bit. He kind of got his groove back. But I would expect in game three, kind of my, my hot take, Marcus Smart is going to score 20 points. Well, I think what happened was Marcus Smart um, Marcus Smart knew that today on DraftKings, I head over to DraftKings and I see Marcus Smart, the line for made three-pointers was one and a half. So he tried to get me there with the seven attempts, but wasn't quite able to, wasn't quite able to break through. But I will say, watching Marcus this year and even last year, the growth that he's made in realizing his role and just thinking back like two, three years ago at some of the you know, what the hell are you doing? Three points that he, three pointers he would take, whether it be in transition or whether it be at the front end of a shot clock when he's bringing the ball up, he's done a fantastic job identifying his role. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this until I turn blue in the face. He's 
he's one of my favorite Celtics ever. I mean, the effort that he brings on defense com- com- combined with like him finally understanding and being able, I mean, he can set the pace now. Like when Kemba Walker's on the bench, he's able to run the offense effectively. And, you know, if you would have told me that he'd be doing that three years ago, I'd be like, well, the Celtics must not be very good. Yeah, he's, he's the best passer on the Celtics, hands down. As before we get into shining moment and player of the game, let's do our picking nits here. Um, just kind of some things. It's hard to, you know, come up with things that, you know, you didn't like or you'd like to see differently after a win like this. But I do have a few. I would like to see Jason Tatum get to the line a little bit more. He only shot uh, two free throws, I believe, tonight. Yep, two free throws. But again, I mean, he's 8 for 12 from the three-point line, 33 points, extremely efficient, shooting over 50% from the, uh, from the field, over 55%. Yeah, I had mentioned this to you uh, before we started the podcast that he only had two free throws, but when you're making your shots like he did and there's there's no crunch time in the fourth quarter, you're less likely to drive to the basket, and that's a main reason for him getting two more only two free throws. But again, I would like to see him get double-digit free throws as well. Yep, and then uh, obviously Marcus Smart, we mentioned it already. I don't love, I don't love seven three-pointers, but you know it is what it is. I wanted to ask you, you know, we were kind of in a position where guys could get some more minutes and probably log some game time here. Um, what did you think about the use of Javante Green tonight? So first of all, I love Javante Green. He's been one of my favorite players. I went on, I actually went out to Vegas last summer to watch Celtics play summer league, and he, he stood out to me. Uh, I remember texting you about him saying, this guy's going to make the roster. He's going to get the last spot. And he did, obviously. And he's, he's had some good games. I mean, the last game in, uh, against Washington in the seeding games, at like 23 points or something like that. So I think he's a great player, but he's kind of inexperienced. Um, he lacks real offensive skill. That I mean, he can knock down the threes, obviously extremely athletic. He can defend a little bit, but I think um, his use of the team is more going to be like a spark plug, where you, you plug him in for like three to five minutes in a game that's kind of been slow, maybe make a couple plays happen, bring some energy. But, uh, yeah, I don't see him getting, like, 20 minutes a game, whereas I can see someone like Romeo Langford get 20 minutes in a playoff game. I only had one, and it was uh, Daniel Tice just overall. I think he didn't yeah. didn't have his best game. I mean, it was kind of hidden in the fact that they they blew out the Sixers. But he had two points and three rebounds in 12 minutes. He also had three fouls. He just kind of looked lost a little bit. I mean, you can see he gets very frustrated with the refs. He doesn't get any calls. The refs hate him. But... Uh, yeah, he didn't. He didn't play particularly well. Uh, we're lucky that we blew them out, but uh, I would like to see him play better going forward. Speaking of not getting calls, when is Jason Tatum going to start getting superstar calls? This guy has been getting shafted the entire bubble, has he not? Yeah, I mean that forty-foot pull-up he had at the end of the first quarter. He was fouled. He was fouled. That that should have been a four-point play. But um, yeah, I, someone I, someone tweeted like Jason Tatum is mad he doesn't get superstar uh, foul calls. He should, but like I, I don't I don't think that was Jason Tatum saying that. I think that was someone making that up. I don't, I don't see him voicing that, but you can tell he gets very upset with the refs sometimes. He throws, I mean it's he, understandable. It, it kind of bothers me to watch a little bit. He throws his hands up in the air a lot, like complaining with calls. I don't I don't really like that. I mean, obviously sometimes you have to argue with the refs a little bit, but doing that after almost every miss. That, that can get on my nerves a little bit. But, uh, I, mean, I mean, that probably adds to it as well. Like, the refs see this guy complaining all the time, so they're not going to give him the calls. Sure. Not yet. So, the one shining moment that I had tonight, um, it's, it's obvious. It's the Kemba Walker steal with the Jalen Brown 360. But the thing about that play that is not being talked about enough is the fact that it started with a Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid bodied Kemba Walker. 
and blocked his shot. And again, this is not going to be – it may be a common theme. I don't do it on purpose, but it kind of just finds its way in here. Kyrie Irving is not sprinting down the court and stripping Joel Embiid and making that play happen. And that highlight real play is a testament to Kemba Walker getting up, running the court, finding a way to uh, jar the ball loose there, and then you get the highlight play from Jalen Brown. But, um, you know, just an incredible effort there. Yeah, I mean, the, the Kyrie narrative is never really going to go away because you're <laughs> always going to have comparisons just because it was so bad and it was such a pain to watch. And now mm-hmm. we're, we're gifted with Kemba Walker that we're always going to draw comparisons and say, oh, Kyrie, Kyrie wouldn't have done that. But it's a, it's, it's a pleasure to be able to say that. Walker had a great night tonight. We didn't really talk about him. Uh, eight for 16, played 26 minutes. I got to say the one thing that I did notice that I didn't love is he was shooting free throws and he was playing with his knee. Like he's on the free throw line and he's rubbing his knee. You know, I, that just, it's, it's driving me nuts. I really, he looked good today. He played 26 minutes. Um, but I, I really, we got to find a way to get that, get that fixed. Yeah. He's got to stay healthy. And we didn't, we didn't talk about Jalen Brown at all, but uh, Jalen Brown also had a, Pretty good game tonight. A quiet 20. 20. Yeah, 20 points. They left him in a little bit at the end there just to get his 20, but uh, Mm -hmm. yet he also had a good game. Absolutely. Player player of the game, though, hands down, Jason Tatum. No question. You can't argue with it. 33 points, five uh, five assists, five rebounds, 12 of 20 from the field, eight of 12 from three. The man was ridiculous. He's he's on another planet right now. He's, He's a superstar. The turning point for me was the 27 to six run that Tatum and the four bench players sparks in the second quarter. That, that was awesome. I, I was standing up throughout most of that. I was screaming at my TV. It was so fun to watch. Loved it. Ryan, give me your bottom line. This team's legit that uh, honestly, if they're playing with this energy, they're sweeping the Sixers first of all, and they're legit title contenders. Not, not just Eastern conference contenders, title contenders. Yeah, completely agree. I love that we have some time that we got some time today to get some guys some extra minutes. I love seeing Brad playing well. Love seeing Semi Didn't love seeing Semi but we did see some Semi Ojale. Uh, Grant Williams was great. Ennis Cano was great. And looking forward to see what lineup we roll out there. And hey, would love to see would love to see Brett Brown try something a little bit different. Maybe we'll see something different in Game Three, but I'm not banking on it. Um, Sixers look depleted. Sixers look checked out. Sixers look like they are ready to go home. Yeah, obviously you can't expect the Celtics to play this well and shoot this well in every single game. But all you can ask is that they bring the same energy for the rest of the playoffs. But yeah, Friday, game three. Hope to get a 3-0 lead and we'll be back after that game.